2: welcome to the undead walking podcast part of the Fansided podcast network now please welcome your host sarah beth pollack
3: welcome back to the undead walking podcast my name is sarah beth pollack and i'm your host and uh it is sunday october 11th and uh, you know what that means it's uh The Walking Dead Sunday, we had a brand new episode of World Beyond and the season six premiere of Fear the Walking Dead. I have to say the feedback online has been very positive for both shows, and I'm absolutely thrilled for the cast of Fear the Walking Dead because season six is shaping up to be incredibly just innovative and different and dark and completely unlike anything we've seen so far. So I'm really excited about season six. Little bit of housekeeping before we get into tonight's episode. This week we're going to have a couple of podcasts just because there is so much content to break down and so many things to talk about. In tonight's episode of the podcast, we're going to be talking with Lenny James and director of tonight's episode, Michael E. Satrazimus, who is a longtime member of the Walking Dead family. He's been there from the start along with Lenny James.
2: And uh, he's also
3: the executive producer for Fear of the Walking Dead. So he, um, was kind enough, as many of you know, he's um, a friend of Undead Walking and he's somebody that we, you know, that we talk with regularly. And he thought it would be fun to do a, a conversation with Lenny James um, about tonight's episode. And it just so happened that the only time we could make work for everybody was today. So I got to talk to Lenny James today, and today is his birthday. So it was a really cool experience. And I can't think both of them enough for taking the time to, uh, to talk with me. And, um, it's a really cool interview. I think it's something that that you'll really enjoy if, if you're a fan of the walk- of Fear the Walking Dead, just because it really gets into Morgan's character and what goes on in the episode tonight. And there's some conversation in there about Emil, who's brought to life just incredibly by the very talented Demetrius Gross, who, um, personally, I hope we see more of in the future. I know he's he's not exactly alive anymore, but uh, that doesn't mean anything on the show anymore because you've got tales of The Walking Dead, you've got flashbacks, there's all kinds of ways to make somebody come back to life these days. Um, so that's going to be tonight's episode. So as soon as I get done talking, we're going to launch right into that interview and I think you're really going to enjoy it. Um, and then tomorrow I have a podcast uh, that is going to be with an interview. It's going to feature an interview with uh, the Fear of the Walking Dead showrunners, Andrew Chambliss and Ian Goldberg, and they were kind enough to sit down with me on. Let's see, that was Friday, I think. Yeah, I think it was Friday, and we actually broke down the first three episodes of the season, so I can play the first part of that interview uh, that that breaks down uh, episode six hundred one, and then over the next couple of weeks, we'll have an interview with them. Um, you know, breaking down each of the next few episodes, which is fantastic. And then we'll have some more stuff for you later on in the week and, and we have tons of coverage over at undeadwalking So make sure you check that out. And uh so yeah, there's there's a lot going on. Um, you know, real quick just to touch on tonight's episodes, um I think World Beyond was amazing. Uh, it was another incredible performance from from the group. Um, you know, there's there was a lot going on, but I really have to say that Nico Tortorella knocked it out of the park and Felix's backstory is tragic and intriguing. And there's so much that I want to learn about, about Felix and obviously Huck and, um, you know, all the characters. So I'm really, really excited. And, um, I'm excited to see episode 103 because I haven't seen that yet. Um, so along with everybody else, I'll be, uh, waiting to see what that looks like. And, um, and then, you know, obviously Fear the Walking Dead was incredible. It, it had a Western kind of theme to it, but um, we kind of said goodbye to Morgan Jones and hello to someone completely different. And he has a new mission, a new lease on life, and it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out over the course of the season. So um, I think it's best, though, if, if, you know, in terms of breaking down the episode, I think it's best to, to put it into um, Lenny James and Michael Lee Atrazimus's, capable hands. So I'm going to cut this short and let you guys listen to the interview. I think it, it was such a fun interview to do. And, um, you know, it was, it was so generous of them to both take the time today to, uh, to just talk with us. So, uh, without further ado, let's listen in on this great conversation. And again, that's with, uh, Lenny James and Michael E. Satrazimus.
0: Oh, I'm so happy to have you guys here. I mean, it's just things I, i've been looking forward to this weekend for so long for you know how it is when you get those episodes early and you have to wait for people to you know to, to be able to tell people what what it's about and how amazing yeah. it is so
4: I, I i know very well we've have been finished with this episode for so long i <laughs> we went into a pandemic i'm like I, you know i i hope i'm still excited when it comes out but i am <laughs> so, it's, you know, i know it. waiting like is like
0: ah uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's incredible, but it's, it's such an amazing episode. And, um, <laughs> we
4: lost Mikey.
2: Did he fall off the chair? <laughs> i, I'm I think, yeah. trying to find some light
4: so I don't look like the, I don't look like the moody guy in the, here, there we go. There you go. Come back, there we go.
2: They <laughs> look so beautiful and bright. <laughs> I got it a big, birthday. I got, I, I got to tell you, I got a big old, big old window in front of me. We're on the 15th floor. And outside my window, every now and then, five or six butterflies just fly past and tap on my window and then fly away. And they've been doing it all afternoon. It's lovely. Oh, that's, that's awesome.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I love it. That is so cool. Um, well, I think today's conversation is going to be a little different because Lenny, as I think um, Mikey might have said, like I've... He was the first person, just to give you some background, as soon as I saw the episode, I sent him a text, and I said, oh, my God, because I had to talk to somebody, because, you know, <laughs> they send them so early, and there's only so many people that are in the circle of trust, you know, so, like, I, I figured Mikey was the best person to, to talk to in this whole situation, because, you know he'd seen the episode. At, at least, least. He'd seen the episode, yes.
4: <laughs>
0: So he was the only one that I knew I could trust. And he started telling me about, you know, all of the, everything that went into it and, and bringing this episode to life. And I said, you know, maybe we could, we could follow up later and, and talk about it. And he said, well, we have to bring Lenny in on this conversation because Lenny will tell you that he absolutely loved all of the prosthetics and the contact lenses (laughs) and just everything that I did to him. And you have to make sure that you ask him how much he loved doing all of that as part of this transformation.
4: So that's, so that's kind of, worth, of it. I didn't quite pitch it like that. I that's,
2: said, a, that's a really interesting. <laughs> I place he really to wasn't
4: start. that excited about ninety-five percent of his close-ups. <laughs> done. Yeah. There,
0: there were like, a lot yeah. of expl- There were also some expletives that were used. You know, there was he. He was he did a very. He said that it just it wasn't your favorite, but having seen the episode, oh my god.
2: It so, was. <laughs> the, the thing you have to understand is my usual time, in the makeup and hair chair. Obviously, my time in the hair chair is very short, but my usual time in the um, makeup chair is maybe 10, 15 minutes. And for um, uh, episode one, season six, it suddenly jumps to just under three hours. So it was a major difference for me. And after about 15 minutes, I just get really antsy and I just go, oh, come on. (laughs) <laughs> this has to have been done by now. But I had to do it in two different locations as well. So I had to do the K and B and I had to do the makeup and the hair wagon. So the kind of order that it went in is I came in and they did the I went to Sheila and she did the hair and then I went to um Frida and she did um the kind of the makeup and the beard and the moustache, which was in two pieces. And, um, and then I trundled over to John in K&B, and he did the wound, which wasn't just the wound. It was also the infection down the veins and, and kind of all over. And then I got on set, and uh, Justin would shove two red, huge, full-eye contact lenses in my eyes. And hey, presto, we were ready. It was literally no acting required. I was just <laughs> like, just... smack me in the face. I remember coming up to you in the car
4: and I was like, I feel like he's upset with me. And he looks so different. He looks so distorted with the lenses. I mean that was kind of the last step we did the test. And we were doing the camera tests and, and playing with, you know, beard colors and shapes and lengths and making sure everything fit and kind of cutting things down. And you know, we had a whole day that was before the season began, that was just that. And once we got where, you know, it really looked good. You know, it's really Lenny's fault. He has too much, you know, vibrance in his eyes. And, uh, <laughs> and, you know, and I think it was really evident when we took aged everything else down that we really needed to go big if we were going to try to, you know, transform him into this new version. Uh, and that did require some really horrible contact with full eye contact lenses. So, I mean, uh, but
2: the, 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 I think the thing that was important was that, um, was to get it right. And, you know, regardless, of course, you know, I wasn't really complaining that much, Um, obviously, uh, just every single day um, that I had to put the wig on. And as I was informed the other day, just the other day um, by Frida, our um, head of makeup, for some reason, nobody knows how it happened, but the beard has vanished. She cannot find it anywhere. And um, I have literally no idea what possibly could have happened to that beard.
0: Have you checked Norman Reedus' freezer? Because apparently he has uh, <laughs>
2: some hair. Beard. He's got Andy's beard in there. <laughs> <laughs> but he's probably got mine now. He's probably, yeah. he's probably starting a collection.
4: Yeah, listen, Norman asked me to send it to him. So I know where the
2: beard is. There it is. Either that or in, somebody set it on Norman's fire.
4: Pillow. Oh yeah it was you know it was it was important to get it right i think but uh man the complete transformations of oh, you, you, the morgan that we know is unrecognizable and i think that was really was really important
0: yeah yeah and i and i will vouch for that because after i saw the first trailer uh some of the the members of undead walking contacted me and they said I can't believe Morgan looks like that. And I said, where, where was Morgan in that trailer? (laughs) I I didn't see. And I went back and like, you guys, I don't think that's him. There's no way. And they're like, yeah, that's, and then, yeah, it it was you, but it was just, I mean, it it, at first glance. Oh my God. No, like that was, I was insane. So it
2: was one of the texts that I got from a friend, which just said, who did they get to play you? (laughs) Job done. (laughs)
4: Yeah, <laughs> job well done, yeah. That's awesome. It, it was a team effort. Uh, I mean, even if the wound, the spidering down the veins off the wound down his arm was so fantastically done. Those guys that came being, you know, Lee Grimes and John, they did such an amazing job. Um, it you know really w- looked well, and it told the story in, in a visual. We didn't have to sit and talk about it, you know?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do. Because was, Morgan doesn't see. know,
4: you know? <laughs> he's not quite sure.
0: So. Yeah, no, it's, it's incredible, and um, you know, like I said, this whole episode is just amazing, and that was something that I had wanted to explore a little more, because there's so much that goes into it, and I feel like, you know, everything has been so weird getting to this point where the episode's finally airing, and I would love to take an opportunity to really kind of go in depth with how it came to life I'm I'm a huge process fan so that day that I saw you on set Lenny directing like I loved watching that was the last thing I did before the pandemic happened was that trip to uh, to Austin was you know to see and and it was your day directing which was amazing um but I'm a big process person and, and Mikey knows that and and uh so I thought it would be fun to kind of go in depth on you know some of these scenes and Mikey picked one that, you know, that he, uh, that he wanted to talk about a little bit and how it fits into Morgan's story and and how it just, you know, how this episode kind of came to life. And I think, cause I think that's something that people would love to know because there's just, there's so much, I mean, having, having been on set, I've seen the village that it takes to bring these things to life, but not everybody gets to see that. And there's so much, you know, and you're working so fast to bring these incredible episodes to life. So, um, so I thought that we could kind of go there today and, and kind of explore, you know, some of the technical things and, and, uh, you know, how, how this whole episode came together. So, Mikey, which, uh, which scenes are we going to dive into?
4: Oh, I don't, you know, I, don't, I mean, I I just, I, I think that the scene that sets the tone is the first one in the limo with Morgan. I mean, it, you go from, from the the awake to the scene that he's hiding out alone. I mean, it it sets a. I think it, it gives you a lot of emotional beats. It has the first walker that doesn't doesn't try to eat him in that scene. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot. There's a lot that, that go on to that kind of you know trying to quickly define what where we are. And, you know, I mean, the last time we saw Morgan, he was surely going to die, surely. Um, and then now we've got like, got a lot to figure out. Um, <laughs> you know, in one in one bed. Um,
0: One, one question before you, because I I thought that was really interesting. So the decision that is it gangrene that the walkers don't like, like, is that kind of the, the sense that we're working on right now because everybody keeps mentioning throughout the episode, like, I can smell you a mile away. And Isaac says, you know, I can smell that I've smelled it before, you know, in the the battlefield, like it's so is it the gangrene that we're kind of playing with is the
4: yeah, it's the necrotic r- rotting flesh, and you know, and and his is in such a state that he's that close to death, I think that, you know, that they, they can come close, but they can't do it, you know, and we've played mm-hmm. around, uh, you know, on all shows, wearing the guts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that is enough of a kind of a, a cloak to protect you, but if you still act human underneath it, um, you know, they will ignore that portion of it, so um that's how he can kind of call the call the walker back
0: got it got yeah it.
2: i think it's uh, as mikey said i think the the place that we were trying to get to was um was getting morgan as close to death without being dead mm-hmm. and um and that you know he the only thing that's keeping him going um is his mission um and that he says I think it's about it's at least twice um, in the episode, he says, I know what's going to happen to me. I know what the next thing that's going to happen to me is going to be. And um, the only thing keeping him going um, is that sense of trying to make sure that Grace has some place to have the baby and be safe. And uh, other than that, he's he's accepted his fate um and that is that he's um al- almost certainly going to die and and to a certain extent it's a, it's a slight contradiction but it's just i think so inherently morgan to a certain extent that when the walkers kind of um um uh, Clear, make it clear how close to death he is by walking, par- by walking past him. That he calls them back. He says that I'm still here. I still have purpose. I still have a role to, role to do, and and still, you know, still trying to find the strength to um, to be enough of himself in order to um, carry out what he um, what he, he's the task that he set himself.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So waking up in this in this limo, I mean, you definitely get that sense that, you know, time really kind of ceases to matter in those moments, because he could have been there for days, you could have been there for however long. I mean, it's, you know, he's not he's not doing well in that opening scene, which is really, um, it's excruciating to watch too. I mean, just just the stumbling and the just everything. It's just it's hard to watch.
2: With well, that had red to,
0: eye. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah, we had to,
2: we had to, um, or I had to, I had to kind of find the kind of uh, pain and um, the level of that pain to match the way that Morgan looked, to match the work that Sheila and Frida and John had done on me and Justin had done on me, all, all the way from the, you know, the red eyes to the pussing wounds to you know um, just the fact he's got a hole in his chest um, and just the pain of it and and just how much every step every movement every uh, yeah every movement how much that would all hurt i mean it starts with him throwing himself when the window gets blown out it starts with him throwing himself on the floor of the limo so there's a wake up for you and um and it ju- is just about how we navigate the pain that he's in all the way through that episode and, and grade it. Um, so it was, it, was, it's, it was, considering how slowly Morgan moves in this episode, it was a surprisingly physical um, job for me um, because I had to be aware all the time of all parts of my body.
4: I loved it, though, really painted the hopelessness, you know, you can see it in the speed and the struggle, just hanging on to that one last purpose, trying to, trying to do this one last thing and then resign himself to death. I, I mean, even in the speed of the walk through the town, through everything, I feel, you know, you just felt this sadness. I thought it was very emotional. I, I loved it. I mean, I truly, truly loved it. But that did mean walking kind of sideways and hanging on that cane. I'm sure we're sore in a lot of ways. we're always stumbling and falling and holding on to things beautiful
0: was it in terms of, of filming scenes like that when you have fight scenes where you have someone who isn't up to full speed so to speak is it harder to choreograph things like that because you can't have the quick movements that you would expect someone who's fighting for their life to have
4: I mean, for, for me, I think it was just trying, you know, Lenny is, is is better than most people on this planet with that stick. I mean, we've designed, hey, let me get you to kill these six people and we'll string it all along into some orchestrated thing. And that's really easy. It, I think keeping him weaker was the, you know, the optimal kind of thing. He was trying to look to not do the damage. It's probably very hard now. I don't know. I can't speak for Lenny at this point, but to, to try to, to not be, you know, the samurai.
2: Yeah, I mean, the, um, the fights are, cause the other thing you have to take on board is, and this is what I mean to a certain extent about the different grades in his pain. Um, when you're, when he's in a fight, he's, he's in fight or flight mode. And when you get into that ad- adrenaline starts pumping so you it's not that you don't feel pain it's that you're feeling pain in a slightly different way because you're it's all in spurts so you're trying to get up enough energy and to hold your breath and to focus your mind enough to, to make the swing and when you make the swing then you'll feel it but your heart is pumping you know and so it's trying to what what we tended to do was choreograph the fights based on the least he could do, as opposed to the most he could do, could he swing the stick? Yes, he could swing the stick, but he can 't swing the stick hard hard enough to um, knock the walker off stride basically you know and it's, and it's a it 's a bigger fight and a and a longer fight than it needs to be, whereas when he 's fighting with Emil at the um at the end of the episode, it is both in protection of Isaac. And the baby and um, Rachel. So he's in he, he's in a particular mode. He's accepted that this is a game. He's gone. I give myself to you. Do to me whatever you know. Um, Virginia wants you to do to me. Um, and then when he's fighting, it's literally again. What's the least I can do? Or you know, what can I? What's the most I can achieve at this one moment? I can block the axe. I can do this. I can get up enough energy to to, to block it again, but it's all about you, you are choreographing through limitations, which was, which was fun to do. I mean, not least that, you know, Demetrius who plays Emil, he's a very big fella. (laughs) And um, so it was, it was a hell of a fight.
0: Yeah. And it, he was so, I was, I was talking to Andrew and Ian on Friday about it, like what a great character, like just, just in so many ways, like what a great person, um, you know, I mean, the character itself is great, but Demetrius made that character in so many so many ways that he was just, I mean, I don't want to say that you were rooting for him because obviously that would be, you know, not so good for Morgan, but man, I mean, that guy was just like, I want to know more about him. And yeah, it,
4: uh, it was his, it was his audition, literally, you know, we were, were looking at, and he had a warmth tone in his voice that made me just think about what that character would would be and and for somebody who's chosen to to go solo and cut people's heads off you have to kind of be inviting you know you have to be slightly (laughs) enchanting and it really was it was that tone in his voice and i was like let's 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 keep looking at him you know and uh i I thought it was i thought it was amazing i thought Demetrius really came out landed it and you know then it was also important to have a A strong character like that if we're going to open the season on someone other than people we know you know than our characters.
2: I also thought it was a really good um, uh, creation by Andrew and Ian because he felt very much the character felt very much of our world. Mm -hmm. The character felt like he came out of a Kirkman um, uh, um, comic he he felt like he, he it it felt like somebody that we were like have we met this guy before because he was so much um, uh, of the world and fitted into it he he was I he ticks all the boxes that makes the, char- the iconic characters of this universe um, you know he had a he had a um, uh, a defined look he had a signature weapon he had a mission. And, you know, if you go through all of the um, iconic characters of The Walking Dead universe, they, they tick those boxes. And and he very, mu- he very much did, and he did an amazing job. As did, you know, Michael, who plays Isaac. I think he gave a wonderful, wonderful performance. Definitely. We got, we got very lucky with, um, with both of those characters. And as you say, they were both characters that you want to find out more about.
4: Mm-hmm absolutely i feel like it hurts to lose both of them in one of the episodes and that's what you want good or bad whatever side of the line you put them on you still want the audience to wish that they had more of that character and you know i think both of those guys really wish that they were still still around maybe we'll twin brother both of them yeah (laughs) flashback
2: them
0: yeah Well, there's that whole tales of the walking dead now, too. Yeah, so we can I, save for No that. one ever dies now. I mean, you're just you're basically guaranteed if you, if you want to come back. But what I really loved about the character, too, is that as because I studied political science in college. So, you know, all of his speeches about the social contract, like he had this philosophy to what he was doing that, you know, it was, it was completely rationalized, which is an interesting juxtaposition next to Morgan, who also has this creed that he's lived by throughout this story. So it's almost like, you know, like he was almost saying in, in so many words, like, I'm going to do this because I have to do it. And you're just going to let me do it because that's how this world works. And there's a sense to like, at some point where more, you know, when Morgan's on his knees, like, okay, I'm going I'm, to, I'm, I accept that. Um, because Morgan functions in that world also, like there, at least he did, which is why it's so, so symbolic in the end, how that, how he takes on know so many aspects of a meal but it's i mean it's such an interesting thing to see because morgan understands that whole social contract
2: idea it's an incredibly um you know after he says i could smell you from a mile or even i could smell you from a mile away um it becomes quite a rational um conversation they have he (laughs) says i'm gonna cut your head off yeah. Uh, I've come here to do what I'm going to do, and he says, "Well, you can do what you're going to do as long as you only do it to me and you don't do it to anybody else." And he says, "I'm not sure that I want to do it." And Morgan says, "Listen, dude, I'm trying to make this easy for you. I'm trying to make this an easy night, a quick night, an early night. You'll be home in time for beans." Yeah. And um, and it's it's a it's a very straightforward conversation for two people who understand that you know understand the the stakes. What Morgan is basically saying. Is I won't fight you, I won't, I won't. You know, I'll, I'll make it easy, and that has got to be worth something. And in um Emil's kind of uh, um, rationality, it makes sense to him because that is part of the social contract. You give me something, I'll give you something back. You make it and easy. I love more. that.
4: He even takes pity yeah. to me.
2: He yeah, takes pity. In the end, he says, "Look, man, this won't even hurt a bit. You know, look, like, <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna make sure.
4: You know, it's, it's such now a being and you really." Really drew up such an amazing scene. It isn't just a conversation, you know, between yeah. two two men on opposite sides of the apocalypse. I think it's beautiful. <laughs> this won't even hurt a bit. <laughs> 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 so.
0: it's, and it's so and that's what I think makes it so so interesting. Um, you know, by the time we get to the end of the episode, that that Morgan has kind of adopted so many of Emile's, you know, he adopted clothing some of his clothing his weapon his dog i mean rufus seems to like morgan in the end which you know yeah, we get another <laughs> 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 we can't let we can't just have daniel with skid mark you know we have to yeah. have a man with his dog and um you know so it's, it's an interesting thing you know where he arrives at the end you know and obviously there's that that what's going to be the most iconic statement ever that morgan jones is dead um you know that that emil played such a big part in that is is fascinating
2: yeah i it took me a while to uh in all honesty to get on board with um morgan not just changing what his social contract as it were with the world his social contract being you know i will not take life um, uh, unless I absolutely have to um, in the de- defence of myself or others, but I won't, won't be the aggressor. I will um, walk forward with the belief um, and the understanding that all life is precious. That's Morgan's social contract. Mm-hmm. Um, and through this episode, through this journey, through coming ac- across Emil and Isaac and... Rebecca and having a newborn child named after him that what comes out of the other side for that is him as he decides to dress as the bounty hunter and um, deliver Emile's head to Virginia and to tell Virginia that Morgan Jones is dead and that she's dealing with somebody else now And, um, and all of the emotional Um, uh, uh, steps that he needed to take. I could understand putting on his clothes. It took me a while until um, I really reconcile myself to what he means when he says Morgan Jones is dead. It isn't just that, you know, he's not that guy anymore. It's that what that guy represented and what that guy believed in, I am putting to the side. I am no longer operating as Morgan Jones. And you need to know that when you see me. And um, and anybody who knows the shape that um, Emil cuts through the world, when they see Morgan, he wants them to know that that is, is a possibility, that that becomes one of that becomes a very clear option in my head. It was um, Kirk Russell in Tombstone standing up saying that saying that death is coming and he's bringing vengeance with him, or whatever that line that great line that he's got. And the sky is on fire, and you know, and he's holding his gu- he's you know, his two guns up. And he's saying, and Tell him he's bringing is it hell with him? Don't tell him he's tell them, he's tell. Bringing, tell, yeah. yeah, tell them he's bringing hell with him. I think that is Morgan's tombstone moment. He's saying, I'm coming for you. And, uh, and I'm not coming for you as Morgan Jones, I'm coming for you as Bounty. And, um, and, and I think that's the message and that's what made sense to me.
0: Definitely. And Mike, you've directed so many amazing episodes in both Fear and The Walking Dead universe. And, and obviously, Lenny goes back to the very, very beginning but what was it like? I mean, this episode is so, you know, it's going to, it's a game changer episode. I, I don't think you direct anything but game changer episodes, to be honest, because I have I look at them that way. But I mean, like, there's always something iconic in, in every episode that you end up directing. So what was it, you know, what was it like bringing this particular episode to life, knowing how it's going to set up the rest of the season?
4: Yeah, I mean, well, f- first, I mean, I, it was really... Really pleasantly surprised, and you know, and I and I give the the guys Ian and Andrew props for for taking this bold step and this statement, and uh, you know, to tell you the truth, the, the the typical television number one is is to service every character, and and you don't take a deep dive; you're just setting things up. So the shape of this episode, I, I love because I like kind of the the single character stories, which is the shape of this season. So. I was excited to kind of bring in this new, you know, change of, of tone and color, you know, to the episode. And, and I mean, you know, it's, it's Lenny, you know, Lenny motherfucking James. <laughs> 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 and I've been around for so, so much. It's, it, it's neat to get to do this, you know, I mean, still, since I guess the, our 11th year being part of the franchise somewhere. I mean, the, and the pandemic's pushed it into 11th. But uh, you know, and uh, it was it was it was just great to be able to take this this ride with, with Lenny and, and shape the new thing. It's all you know, changes is an amazing thing, and I think we've made a really great great change. and And it's it's fun to to uh, you know to be, be able to be you know the the first one in on it. and uh, And I'll tell you what, the episodes ahead, ones I didn't direct, are fantastic. I mean, there are some fantastic things that I, I, it just these storylines everything i'm really excited about the remainder of of this first eight and i'm really really super excited that we're back at work and we get to, <laughs> to create some more you know really really excited it was a very exhausting but uh but uh very rewarding first week back in so um, looking forward yeah, it to was, tomorrow. I mean
2: the the episode 1 of season 6 was it read like a movie it read like a, um, it re- I mean, it read like a standalone um, uh, kind of not even an episode. It read like a movie. It read like I mean, because there was a clear beginning, middle, and end. There was a uh, um, that structurally it was a th- three-actor, and um, and it yeah, and it told its own it told its own story. It had an internal kind of dynamic. That um, was satisfying, really, and that was, and that was good. And there was a, I liked it because sometimes when we're, when you're interacting with lots with the other characters, you are, you are forced to kind of inform somebody else of how you're feeling or how you're reacting or what you what you think. So much of this episode was Morgan on his own. And even a lot of the time when he was with other people, he was separate from them because he was in his own pain. And that was a, that was an interesting journey. I mean, it was something I said the other day that, you know, if you told me kind of when we were shooting the pilot in 2010, that, you know, 10 years later, I'd still be finding different attributes, um, about this character challenging and rewarding and, um, uh, interesting and exciting. I would have said that there's literally no way in hell you're an idiot go away. And by the way, why are you talking to me? Um, but it, you know, I'm here 10 years later and that is, that is the situation. And, um, and, and that's the, you know, that's to do with the kind of the, the grown-ups as I call them, the, the kind of creatives and, um, challenging and the way that we challenge each other. I mean, it's what I think is one of the reasons why I love working with Mikey is that we challenge each other. We're not afraid to kind of go. Um, I think it's over there. I think that's where we, that's the direction we should be going in. And, you know, and the, and the, conversations we have are out of a mutual passion and love for the the characters um and the story and the um and the television show that we're making and um and it's a meeting it's a meeting of minds as it has been almost almost from the off i mean i've kind of said this before, really, but, you know, a large part of me coming back to The Walking Dead um, after season five was, a, was because of the experience I had in um, season three when I came back for, um, for Clear, where, you know, Mikey recognised what was going on between me and Andy and orchestrated the crew and the, and the troops to feed that. To feed what was happening in front of him, and he did it on the hoof, and he did it, um, you know, without any kind of kind of prep. Just went, okay, guys, this is the way we're doing it, and you know that's no small thing, but it was it was uh, it was important because what it said to me was that, it's th- that the work matters, um, and we're not gonna we're not gonna spend a huge amount of time bending the um, the work to fit the camera. We're gonna we're going to shoot beautiful pictures but we're going to in, do it in service to the story and to the work yeah. and that's what and that's what mattered that's the like that's the way i like to get it done
4: yeah it's all it's always been a story first in, environment i think you know both shows in leading into this to what we're doing has, has been that way and it's intricate it's integral the, the the us creating together it, it has been i mean lenny's pushed me in different directions shown me things that that change things and strengthen the story and and then you react to that. And I think if you let the story win, if you always, you know, as filmmakers and keep an open environment, you can always enrich everything uh, stronger than what you imagined originally. And and, and if you let things grow and if you let things take a right-hand turn, you can turn something, we did it this week, turn a scene that, you know, was just felt like a, a conversation into something that um, I think really raised the bar of the entire episode. I mean, it, you know. Um, I mean,
2: having said that, and I, would, I will also add that both in episode one, but um, in all of the episodes that are from this season that I've seen, um, one of the things that this deep dive into character has also afforded us is um, a, a, a kind of new visual language with the episodes. The episodes have the very distinctive visual looks mm-hmm. and it's given a real boon to our cinematographers. And, and in, um, at one, Jalla did a fantastic job. It looks great. Yeah, I mean, it just it's, looks it's great. Beautiful. I mean, even, even you know, there were a couple of times where we waited for the sun or we went in a particular direction and every single call was absolutely the right call. It looks lovely.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, am and Adam, I mean. And Adam. Your, epi- your episode, likely, oh, you've seen Lenny's, right?
0: I have, yeah. Seen, I've product. seen, yeah. I mean,
4: yeah, jumping from, uh, you know, the solo solo episode right into the director's seat. <laughs> well, we did shoot out of order, but, you know. We did
2: shoot out of order. I did yeah. have a little bit of time to yeah. recover. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
4: it'll seem like he just sprung off set into the chair, but, but it's, you know, it's fantastic. And visually they are. So different, you know. I'm. Um, uh, uh, they're both. I feel like uh, you know, Jalen and Adam are kind of kindred spirits in the, in the you know, the tone and the storytelling and, and creating images that you know that that create emotions, which is kind of what we're trying to do, especially when with the slower cutting pattern and making it a very compositional kind of story. But opening up the book with the anthology, opened up the book with the the cinematography, and really allowed us to explore you know, very unique episodes, and I think, uh, I think that'll be really interesting for everybody to see. Like yeah. The, the resonate. we are very excited about tonight.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's so exciting, and it's, I mean, I, I know we can't, um, I mean, we could talk about the other episodes, but we're not going to, because I don't want to spoil anything. No, it's just perfect. Okay. Um, no, it is. His, it's his birthday. I want to see.
4: You got to let him go, man. He's got some candles. Yeah. Going.
0: Yeah. No, he, he needs to blow out the candles. So I, I definitely, um, you know, but I, I do have to say Lenny, it's, it's amazing because we, I think we saw two scenes being filmed that day on set. So to see those two scenes and how they fit into that episode. Oh my God. Like I, I just, it, it, basically your episode, this episode 601, sets up if you had to pitch why this anthology format works 601 sells it you can't tell yeah. stories like that anywhere else and so having seen 601 leading into 602 and 603 like it really i mean there's just nothing like it and i think it just it makes stronger stories that way and um you know that's why i really wanted to i'm so grateful to both of you for taking the time today because i feel like this is this episode just needs so many accolades and I want to do everything i can to get those accolades because you know for you guys because it's it deserves every bit of it so well, thank it's, you uh, it's only
4: the beginning you know they really are no. they're, they're strong 602 603 i mean I, I, there's i have a lot of favorites you know i, I kind of always want to direct all of them this year more than ever before <laughs> you know? Even if it, i'd be dead by now but so you know would have never made it to the pandemic but, uh, yeah, there's some there's some amazing episodes coming up
0: yeah for sure well thank you guys so much and um lenny thank you for taking the time on your birthday i really appreciate it all. and um mikey it's <laughs> always a pleasure
4: yeah, thank you sir beth
0: Thanks, <laughs> thank <Lenny>. you guys
2: <laughs> have a good one see you later enjoy the rest right. of your day thank you, you too all right yeah. <laughs>
3: bye guys wasn't that a fantastic interview? I absolutely love those guys. And I'm so grateful that they took the time to talk with us today. Um, and I'm really excited because I would love to have them back and um, and talk about future episodes. Obviously, 602 is the episode that Lenny directed. And it's the episode that I was on set for back in February. So really excited for people to see that and to be able to talk to everybody about that. So, um, so hopefully we will have them back in the future. Um, I want to thank you for listening today and, and to remind you that we'll have another interview with uh, the Fear the Walking Dead showrunners tomorrow. We also have a ton of content uh, that's going to be coming out with other members of the Fear the Walking Dead cast, members of the World Beyond cast. Uh, we've got videos, we've got audio, we've got articles. There's so much, so much stuff to, to go over with everybody. So um, so be looking for that between the podcast and uh, on UndeadWalking.com. And as always, I really, uh, if, if you enjoy what we're doing here, we would love to, uh, to have you leave us a review, uh, subscribe to the podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, and, um, you know, just know that your support is what keeps us going. So, um, you know, those reviews really do make a difference, and we can't thank you enough for for your support, so thank you. Um, And, yeah, so it's going to be a busy week, but I think it's going to be a fun one, and I can't wait for you guys to come along on the ride with me. Uh, So I'm going to cut this short and uh, just say thank you, good night, and remind everybody to stay safe, wash your hands, and watch out for those walkers. Thanks, everybody.